Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back here to an all-new edition of Two Mics, No Filter, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, inside of these awesome digs that we have here. Always happy to be here with Andrea Smith, myself, Dan Tortora, a.k.a. DT, and we are your two mics, and we always have no filter. So, Andrea, how are you today? I am good. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Happy to have you here. And, you know, it's funny, what you just... Well, I don't know if I should say this, but I was going to say, when you said, I'm doing well, how are you guys doing? That's how I used to address the many personalities of the people that I dated. But yeah, I can understand that based off the stories you told me. I can understand that. (laughs) So your personality is doing today. Good. I have one and he is fantastic. So he's doing very well. Yeah, we haven't split off into different factions and I don't plan on doing that. But uh, here with Andrea today, two mics, no filter. We talk about literally anything. There was something that we were discussing off the air, and I thought it was uh, it was interesting because you're very open about obviously you know your life and and different I things am. you do. And you and I were talking, and it was around Christmas time. You said I just had an elective surgery, and I was like, okay. And you said I got my I got a thigh <laughs> lift, and my response was both. <laughs> With a question mark. <laughs> so. Both. Both were lifted, my friends. Both were lifted. Listen, oh, yeah, first of all, let me just say that I'm a firm believer that if you have something that you do not like about yourself and you want to fix it, you should do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Um, but yes, I did. I did a thigh lift over Christmas and I underestimated the situation. So uh, it's not my first rodeo with any kind of like plastic surgery or whatever. Like I've done things over the years. Um, I've never been afraid of surgeries or whatever, but I will tell you guys, I did this thigh lift because I wanted to, so back, back check. Cause you guys, I'm sure are going to be like, what is that? And why? So typically like if they do a thigh lift, it's for somebody who's lost a ton of weight and they've got loose skin or something. Right. So imagine <laughs> when I go into the doctor and they're like, what do you want to do? Right. But I mean, to be honest with you, like I do have some loose skin that I wanted to tighten up. So I did. So anyway, I had this surgery. I was not nervous. He kept like the doctor was fantastic. And he kept, you know, preparing me for what this outcome would be like, you know, recovery and all those things. And, you know, I'm a fitness instructor. So when they say you can't do anything for four weeks, I always take that as two. And I just, you know, (laughs) move accordingly. Um, you guys, oh my God, let me tell you something. So the day I had the surgery, I was supposed to be out at one o'clock. My mom took me, my husband was at work, whatever. I mean, he's, you know, my husband is just like, what are you doing now? Like, that's his vibe. But my mom's embarrassed because she thinks, you know, ah, oh, people are going to think, what are they going to think? You keep doing things to yourself. I'm like, I don't care. Um, but anyway, I was supposed to be out at one o'clock. I got out at five o'clock because of just, I was nauseous from the anesthesia and I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. When they finally sent me home, I could barely walk. I had no idea that I just, you know, I had C-sections too. So I consider those to be surgeries. So I just had no idea how much you need your legs. And that sounds ridiculous, but you don't think about it until you're in it. And I had to walk backwards, like shuffle. I could not lift up my leg. It was like, and to, and I, so anyway, I'm three weeks post-op now and I'm like, you know, I 50% not even close to back to normal. Okay. But I am able to walk and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, I, I, my right leg is still kind of numb. So it's, it's a, it's, it's super weird. It's super uncomfortable. 
what if what if you found out after all of this that one thigh lift was lifted a little bit higher so then you're right. walking like an in- well it's not your foot's lift higher it's just your skin's tightened oh okay well it's, see one it's I- like a mini thigh lift i didn't do a full thigh lift because i get like i said that's meant for like people that are like typically and i'm not a doctor so i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but typically it's like somebody who's t- lost a ton of weight maybe they had gastric bypass or whatever that surgery is and then they need to get rid of a ton of loose skin. So typically it's meant for that. Mine was just like a simple, like lift up the skin a little bit. And honestly, anti-aging, to be honest, like oh, as your skin gets older. Um, Here I'm thinking if they lift up your thighs, that if it's going to affect your leg, because it's pulling you up, but you're just, well, yeah. yeah, it's just your skin. Okay. See, I know about any of this stuff. Yeah. Well, neither, apparently neither did I, um, but I, so I did it, but they also use like this laser thing. So like inside my leg, like the burn, I guess, I don't know, fat skin, something. So anyway, I mean, I scorched. Thank God I was asleep. Yeah. Listen, I, I will be the first to admit beauty is pain. But you're enduring essentially in my world, as I wear my moon Knight shirt today, you're enduring what like the X-Men, what mutants can do to your body, scorch your body, pull it, twist it, morph it, you know, create. Yeah. Heat. I'm basically a superhero. Well, you're basically were affected by a suit. It was like you let a superhero get into your body and like, you know, it's like the dark. It all goes back to Marvel. It all goes back to Marvel. I'm going to make it go back to Marvel because I need it to go back to a place where I can understand it. Listen, there's no understanding. My mom said, she's like, you know, you do understand that not, no one else thinks that you need this, but you. And I'm like, I don't. uh, Yeah, but that's why I'm doing it. Because I think I want it. Not you guys. So where anyway, did you hear the thigh lift though? What? Where did you hear? I didn't. I went into the doctor and I asked. I made I made it up. I you, asked for it. You looked at it. You looked at your legs and you said, I have some extra skin here. Andrea, yeah. who doesn't weigh like more than like a pound. So they, <laughs> so you're look. so you're like, there's some extra skin here, doc. Can I work this off? And they're like, yeah. that's part of aging. You can tighten your body up, but that's going to stay a little bit there. And you're like, okay, give me like a massive surgery to make my legs not work for many weeks yeah yeah i didn't understand the legs not working part but i do think i'm going to be pleased with the results so that's a good sign like so what what is it so when you look at your at your thigh right now what is it supposed to look like when all this is done it's going to look like you're like a like a 14 year old leg i mean what is it going to be no i don't know but it's going to be tighter smoother and like he basically the lasering i think is contours the shape of the leg or whatever okay. so, so you can right more list, anybody more. listening or watching this they're thinking to themselves this girl has no idea what she did to herself I just, so everyone's like if i can use what you've done to give myself a superpower <laughs> so that's, right that's right what. bionic woman i look like a bionic woman right honestly <laughs> it's like very weird scarring and everything it's very strange so well so when is this also so this is like but I, so at the end, what is it going to be? So like you said, it's smoother, but what, yeah. I mean, what are your, so then if, if you've done your legs now, does that yeah. mean you have to do your arms and your face no. and your stomach and all this other stuff now, because now your skin is different in different places? No, 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 because no. I understand nothing. No, because <laughs> <laughs> will I do my face, something to my face? I always do things to my face. Will I have a facelift one day? Maybe if I need one, I would. I'm not afraid to do things like that. So what but, if you don't, it, you're afraid your face is just going to be like, you know, like, are you afraid of the droop? I mean, yeah. What are you afraid yeah. of? 
the sag, the sag you're yeah, like this. yeah preserve 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 so when you're 80 years old you want your face to look like it's like 25 no 40 okay. <laughs> okay so i have to know how many elective surgeries have you had Don't count your C-section because that's a way of having a baby. Let's right. let's count like, face, you know, your face stuff, your body stuff. Surgeries, though. I mean, face stuff. I've never done a surgery per se. Okay, you've just so, done Botox. Elective surgery. I mean, those don't count. Like, so if you have something removed that you had to have removed, that doesn't count. Yeah. Um, one, two, three, four. Okay. All right. So that's below the number based on our conversation off the air. That's far below what I thought you were going to tell me. Okay. 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 So you've had a bunch of different, and that's just like, hey, I want to do something. I mean, I don't know what you want to talk about. What? What's like so you're feeling a little bored one day, and you're like, you know, I'd love to spend some money. Maybe I should go see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I want I want a third arm to come out my back. No, listen, you, no, no, no. listen, listen, listen. I I am five foot two on a good day. I was a cheerleader, dancer, all those things. I always have had like thick legs. I, even when I was a runner, like my legs, even though they were skinny, they still felt to me like disproportionate to my body. So I've always kind of. Oh, we lost you here for a second. Or whatever, like then it was worth it. So we lost you for a second. It cut out. So you said that your legs were always thicker than you wanted them to be. And then it cut out. Yeah. And you just cut out again. <laughs> at the at the most inopportune time so so can you hear me now yeah i can hear you now so mm -hmm. your legs were thicker than you thought they should be disproportionate yes. to your body yes so i if you feel insecure about something and you want to fix it you have the means to fix it uh, i work out you guys i'm not going around saying like preaching like go do surgery and it'll take away from the hard work i work out so if my skin's tighter then everything like my legs will be tighter with the muscle work that I have. So it's like, I feel like that it's the legs I deserve. <laughs> I didn't have the legs I deserved. You didn't have the legs you did. As you're saying that God designed you wrong. I know this is going to hurt your feelings because you're so godly, but yes, I think so. I think God hooked up my fat tubes wrong. I do. God hooked up your, so you think that you think that a being that is without mistake made a mistake on your legs. Okay. I think it's very, I think it's very, very, uh, it would be very believable to me to think that he might've made a little bit of a mistake. Yeah. Okay. So you think God made your legs the way you didn't want to make them. So, cause this is something that I always, as a man, we hear about women doing a lot of elective surgeries, right? We don't hear a lot yeah. about, about men doing it. I mean, there's different things that, that people could gastric bypass. So there's different things yeah. that, you know, people, you know, they're very heavy set and they, they have a bunch of, you know, they have yeah, tummy tucks and things taken off and skin and whatever. But in a lot of ways, when we hear about women, we hear about, you know, their chest, we hear about their legs, we hear about their stomach, we hear about their face, you know, it's, it's commonplace for society in America to hear about a woman going into elective surgeries. And a lot of the time, it's, you know, it's the chest and I, and what I think is unfair to women, and I do want to state this and there's songs about it. Oh, there's a song out right now about it, but that women were basically told no matter what size you are, where you are, like whatever, however, God made you five, two, six, one, whatever, that you were supposed to have a little tiny waist 
a nice size butt, a big old chest, but that your body beside your chest was supposed to weigh like 86 pounds. So women have been programmed into believing in this very strange, naturally, typically you don't see body that's very comic bookish. And I don't think that that's been fair. I mean, how do you, do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me that women in America have kind of been told that they have to all have a big chest, a slim waist, they have to be toned, and then they have to have some type of a, a backside to them or else, which I feel like is, you know, and I've said it plenty of times, I think it's unfair the way that women are treated in society that for the majority of my life, the pictures that I see of models have been of women that look like they had no mistakes, totally flawless. And then here's all these girls going, well, how am I supposed to look like that? Not knowing about airbrushing and contouring and everything else. Well, and social media certainly has uh, taken that to a whole new world and new level. You know, it's like girls today that are like 12 and 13. They're not going through the awkward phase. And if they are, you wouldn't know it because their social media has more followers than probably you and I have times 10, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I am, I have a daughter and I'm very concerned with, she's three, obviously, so I have some time, but I am concerned, even with my son, honestly, with social media and that side, as much as I love social media for what it does in my life or for connecting people, things like that, I'm very concerned about what is being portrayed to people as normal, as normal looking. Um, I'm also super cautious about what I say to her because I grew up with, uh, you know, my mom in the eighties and and all of a sudden fat free was the thing, you know, my mom always dieted and things like that. You know, I always, she always exercised and stuff. And I am to the extreme on those things as an adult. And I have no problem admitting, you know, these types of things because it's something that's been with me my whole life. Like I certainly have a complex when it comes to appearance and those types of things. I have my own internal struggles on that. And I'm, I'm very concerned. And I know people listening will say, well, you just had surgery. Like how, what kind of message are you sending up? She doesn't know why I had surgery. She thinks my leg hurts. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't, that she doesn't understand that stuff, but I will certainly be honest with her if she's old enough to ask me why I did these things, but I don't want her to think like, oh, mommy only eats salad because already she's picking up on those things. And it's, it's scary for me because I know as a female that, you know, I cheered, I did all the things I did the calendars and, and things like that. And I don't want her to grow up with an obsession over food or whatnot to eat or how to look. But I also feel like at some point it's inevitable. I also don't want her to grow up thinking that, you know, I saw something recently on, um, and again, this is no disrespect. This is just me stating that something I don't think is that healthy As I saw something, I want to say it was like shape magazine that shared, uh, very overweight women as, as healthy. And maybe they are healthy, but to an extent, you know what I mean? Maybe they are active in those things, but I, I do not believe that it's healthy. Just like, I don't believe that I'm fully healthy. You know, I may look really healthy, but I'm sure that there are things that I put in my body that I should not put in. Yeah. It's really catch 22. It, it really is with with the media and people, mothers today dealing with their own demons growing up in the 80s and 90s. You know, it, it really I mean, it's a catch 22. So for you and feel as comfortable to state whatever you want to state, but for you, how when you say that you have your own like inner demons and your inner struggles, where does that come from? Why, why are you so 
hard on yourself or on your image? Was it something that was created by society? Was it something that was more created by something personal? How how did you get to a point where you say, you know, I, I have some body image things that I struggle with. And like I said, feel as comfortable as you want. I mean, you and I are both really open on this show with no filter, but wherever you want to go with it. Well, and also too, I mean, I, I do want a little bit of empathy because sometimes I can say things about this subject and I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. So I, sometimes I feel like if I just share where I'm coming from and then my own traumas, maybe it'll explain a little bit more about why maybe I feel strongly about one way or the other. Um, I, you know what, my childhood, to be honest with you, nothing that anybody did to me, but I remember distinctly being uh, about four or five years old. And one of them, you know, when kids are little and you throw the penny in the well, yeah. I, um, and I just started working with a therapist and kind of talking about this stuff recently, but like, I remember distinctly throwing a penny in that well and wishing to be skinny as a young child. I can remember that. And I mean, those types of things, I mean, star search, the models that were on star search, things like that, that I watched and, um, dance and, 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 um, I, you know, when I was little, I was ch chunky and like a lot of little girls, to be honest with you. But, uh, I just remember thinking if you were just skinny, everything would be perfect. You know what I mean? You're going to be a model. You're going to be all these things. I mean, little did I know I was five, going to be five foot two. You know what I mean? Like never did anything like, like that. So it's like, it's funny. It's, it's comical sometimes when I think about it, because like the delusions that I had as a child, but I wanted to be like some sort of, you know, on TV, a star, an actress, whatever. And uh, it's, it's sad, you know, when you think about it that way, that there's a child that is taking her wish, not wishing for a pony, not wishing for a certain toy, but wishing to be thin. So, I mean, I'll say this at a very young age, I was very aware that the statement thin wins and, um, you know, it, it was just always something that I was obsessive over. And when I was in high school, I was, I was very anorexic and, you know, in and out of therapy, but I didn't want to change. And they say that anorexic people, typically it's not about food. It's more about control issues. So there were some things going on. You know, I had a boyfriend that was older than me that moved away, a best friend that moved away for college and things like that. I was still in high school. I mean, I do think that there was some control things going on. I couldn't really control the environment. So I controlled the food. Um, but you know, the more people wanted me to change or eat, the more I was like, nope. You know, it was almost like then I could control other people in a way. So I've, I will say that I've always had um, body image issues and I've always had a fear of food, unfortunately. And you say, you say like a fear of yeah. food. What does that, what does that mean? It means like you have your safe foods, yeah. but like you do not veer out of those. Okay. And I, do, I guess to this point is where this is where I, I'm very nervous. I, I don't want to raise my daughter to be this way. I want her to be able to go to a restaurant and eat normal and not worry. I mean, I don't want her. I don't want her to not be cautious of health. Right. But I definitely want her to be able to if she wants to go out and have like a good meal or something like that. I do not want her to have the same concerns that I have, because I if you were to take me to a restaurant, it could be any restaurant in in the world the fanciest restaurant, best restaurant, best food you've ever had, doesn't matter what it is. And I will order a salad or I would order if it was like a sushi restaurant, sushi. Like those are like a safe place for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, I mean, having, having a fear of, you know, what is this food going to do to me or what's it going to do? Yeah. I mean, when you have a body image and, and, and the thing 
so, you know, I, I'm always open about the relationships that I've had and I keep people's names out of it to protect them. Cause even if they've hurt me, I'm not ever going to shame them. I make jokes about things that I've been through to yeah. show people that they can get through their stuff too. But I couldn't prove that I was dating someone who was anorexic or bulimic. I couldn't prove it, but there were signs of things that really unset, you know, made me really unsettled, uh, very, very skinny, skinny to the point where it was scary at times. And, you know, like her, her body almost seemed to like hunch forward her neck and, and I couldn't ever like prove, okay, she just went in the bathroom and made herself, you know, mm -hmm. get sick, but she would have a, when she would work herself up and get anxious, there was a smell of it and it's a very distinct smell and so I'm like, you know, what's going on? Because she, and, and the thing is she ate terrible food. She ate food that would make anybody three, 400 pounds, but she was always like a hundred pounds, right. Or, you know, hundred, 110, something like that in, in that world, 110 might even be saying too much. So to me, it was like being in this place where I'm all about taking care of your body, but here's me. I have some more weight on me, but I have muscle, but I also go out and walk. She would never go out and walk with me. I go out and walk with the dog. She wouldn't work out at all. So here she is keeping this frame, but, and then she used to be really heavy when she was younger. So you look at the pictures when she was younger and you say, okay, she was like twice her size. How are you getting to this point when you're not eating right? You're not working out. You're not doing anything cardio wise. You're basically going work sitting on the couch and going to bed and right. so I couldn't prove anything but it just was confusing to me and a little bit scary I guess at times because it there were just moments that made you feel very suspicious I guess yeah I would say she probably had an issue especially when you told me she was heavy growing up I, you know people don't take into account um kids are very cruel yeah. Very cruel. And there are things that can stay with you, you know, for your whole life. And I, I do think that I do think that when a child is heavy, uh, you know, or I'd say not chubby, but abnormally heavy, I would say that they are likely going to face a harder time than, than a child who's not. And, you know, that to me is heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it just, you know, I feel like we've taken a really dark turn, by the way. <laughs> I feel like this is not the funny show that people are used to, but I do think that it's not, um, it's not a dark turn. I mean, it's it's real life. I mean, there's people yeah. out there that are struggling with yeah. body image. And, and I had a phase of my life yeah. where, I mean, I look back on when I was married and I literally, one of my pictures, not to interrupt, one of my pictures or my one of my videos on Facebook, you know how you get those of like, hey, remember this day. Yeah, memories. Well, I got something last year of three years before, and it was like three or four years before, and it sent me this video, and I saw myself, and I went, that's not me. I didn't look like that, and I was never obese, and I was never like a heavy person, but I I definitely feel like I had let myself go to a place that I would never want to go to, and I was like, I didn't look like that. And, and I normally I share like my stuff from the past. I'll, I'll share it as a positive memory, but I didn't share that video because I was like, I, do I know that? Like, who is that? You know, is that me? And right. it, it just kind of like threw me off of, you know, but again, growing up, 
and not being six foot and, you know, not being this tall guy, being five foot eight, not six foot, whatever. And I didn't play football. I played basketball, but to be a basketball D one player, I'm five foot eight. So like, I want to make it D one. So you're hearing that stuff. And then you have that phase where you gain some weight and you're a teenager, nobody in high school, none of the girls are dating you and this and that. And I, and, and I, I started to get a really negative view of myself, get really down on myself, really negative, talk myself and put myself down and get paranoid about that. So I go back to my own things that I had to work through. And then I dated a girl years after all this stuff. And in the middle of an argument that I didn't understand, I looked at her and I said, I thought I was everything like that you were, that you wanted. Like, I thought, you know, you and I are, are what, who we wanted to be with. And she looked at me and said something that she knew would hurt me. She looked right at me and she goes, she looked at me, stared right at me with a smirk on her face. Like she was about to enjoy the words. And she said, you're not everything I want. I asked for six foot. And I just remember standing there going like. Horrible. God made me the height that he made me. I can't, I can't change that. And, you know, and, you know, but we're talking about body image today. And, and that's something that, you know, I go back and I look at stuff. And, and like I said, I didn't read, you know, like when my family's going through the pictures and they're like, oh, look, you were chubby back then. Oh, look at this back then. And it makes me mad today. Like 20 some odd years later, I'm like, how dare you call me that at 13 or 14 years old? Like that's wrong. So I think we all like have our moment with society telling us what we're supposed to look like. And yeah. You know, I mean, Superman is above six foot. Batman's above six foot. Maybe Spider-Man is below six foot. But you you see all these characters. You see the Hulk and all this stuff. And I feel like I've always had to, like, with some people battle that I'm a strong guy. Because they look at you, oh, you're 5'8". What are you going to do? But I know I'm a really strong person. But I don't like having to tell people that because then I feel like I'm, like, trying to defend myself. But, you know, it's it's like this weird world of men and women, not just women, we got to look a certain way. We got to be a certain height. And that a man is like, get me to six foot, get me to six foot praying in a wishing well, like you were saying, praying, you know, to be thin. It's just ridiculous. that Society has created in us this, like, when we look back at things like, you know, you want to, you want to go back and rip up all your age 13 pictures because that was the year where you had the weird haircut and you were chubby and yeah. it's like, why would you want to erase a part of your life? I don't, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad that I felt it. It makes me sad that you felt it. Yeah. There's like a whole period of my life that my parents do not have images of because I like took them all down. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I'm literally like from seven years old to 16, there's nothing of me in the house. You know what I mean? It's just, it, 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 it you know, I had a boyfriend that when I was like coming out of the eating disorder stuff. So a couple of years into this and, and starting to like find my way out, I had a boyfriend that I was madly in love with in love. I mean, I, I wouldn't say first love, but pretty much, you know, and, um, he actually said now, mind you, he cheated on me. Uh, but one of the reasons we broke up and according to him was because we never ate at a restaurant. And that stayed with me. So that's kind of where I got into fitness, to be honest with you, is that I kind of started channeling my obsessions a little differently. 
And I was like, all right, like, this is the kind of girl he's attracted to. Well, then I can, I can, you'll see, like, watch, you know, I'm, I'm like a revenge seeker, you know? So, um, but once he and I were arguing and I want to say we were broken up, but you know, one of those heated arguments you get into when you see your ex out. And I think he, he said something to me like, uh, fat B I T C H. And that was traumatizing because of somebody who broke up with me because I wouldn't eat. It's like, that was traumatizing me. And it is, it is something I remember very well still. Well, and I think that, and, and this happened with somebody in my life is that they knew they were about to lose the person they were with. Yeah. And I tell them this to this day, because years later it's been, I can't even believe, I thought it was two, it's been over five years, almost six years since this was said to them. And, and it, it was a man who said it to a woman and they said, and I, and I, and I told this woman, I said, you realize they didn't say this because it's true. They said it because they knew in that moment, you're not going to be with me. So I don't want you to be with anybody else. And if you can, if I can somehow cripple you to not be with anybody else, then in a weird, disgusting, sick way, I still have you. Yeah. And so unfortunately, that's a lot of people are that way. Yeah. And so one of the exiting words was you fat F and they never forgot that. And tell me, you know, years down the road, like, I don't feel comfortable being in a bikini around men and this and that. And I'm like, you are in, in, in my response is like, you are so beautiful. You are so kind. I know why this person said this and I know that it hurts you and it affects you. I mean, I, I again, I call it the exit interview, right? I've, I've had those girls that were breaking up and obviously we're breaking up because these people are toxic in my life. And in these situations, we're breaking up and it's not amicable and it's not kind. And I'm trying to be patient and, and kind and just like leave my house and like, let's just stop the nonsense. And this one girl, I mean, she came into the house. She went out the house back in like four more times. And she was like, she was, she attacked my manhood. She attacked my ability to be intimate. She attacked, she attacked uh, what I am in the bedroom. She attacked what I look like. She attacked my sexuality. She attacked every part of me, right. which was her way of going, Hey, if I can't have him, then let me make him question himself in his manhood, in his ability to do this, in his ability to take care of this and his ability to handle that. If I can attack him for the things that he's confident in, and I can make him not confident, then in a sick way, if he gets rid of me, he won't be with anybody else. So I'll be right. the last person that ever got to be with him. So I've, you've, you've talked about it just now. These people in my life have talked about it and I've experienced women walking out of my life, screaming obscenities of yeah. like, you know what? I hope that this happened. I hope that, I mean, I had a friend tell me he wished bad upon my children, you know, in the middle of a conversation because he had stuff going on in his life. We weren't even talking. I'm walking with my girlfriend at the time and right. he was having this complex about his sexual orientation or whatever's going on. And that's fine if you want to talk to me about it and come to me as a man, because I will appreciate you, whatever you are. Mm -hmm. And he just out of nowhere started screaming this stuff. I hope your son is this. I hope he's got a small this. I hope he ends up being this. I hope you have to deal with all that for the rest of your life. And I remember looking at him going like, why are you saying this? And he's like, because of all the vile stuff that comes out of your mouth. And I was like, what vile stuff comes out of my mouth? We're not even talking right now. I have friends, some of my closest friends have a different sexual orientation than I am. And 
it changed nothing about our friendship. And if anything, it made me know them better because they were hiding from who they are. So, you know, I mean, to see people attack you and try to kill your spirit and then to see somebody try to like wish bad upon your children when they're going through something, I can honestly tell you in 37 years of being alive, and that was my best friend at the time, and we don't even talk anymore. That was the last time we saw each other. And looking at him in that moment, I was, you know, I told a lot of people whose opinions matter to me because they're not yes people. And every single one of them told me the same thing. They said, he's got something going on where he's not being honest with who he is to himself. And he's just going nuts on everybody. And I hope that he figures it out for his safety and the safety of people around him. But, you know, people say, you know, there's that show kids say the darndest things. Adults say some pretty shameful things when they don't know who they are or they don't want you to know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people deflect on projecting their, their, their energy, their negative energy onto other people. Um, when it really has nothing to do with you. I, I, I had an ex, I also call that extreme narcissism and your ex you talked about a few minutes ago, I would say that would be under that category of extreme narcissism. But I had an ex that was kind of like that, that, um, you know, he would call you every name in the book, tell you you're worthless, you know, nothing. And it's, it was definitely that whole, um, and you know, what's funny about this, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic is that I was probably 24 ish, 25. Uh, maybe around there, sometime around there. But I'll tell you, I kind of got a reputation around town of being like, like a crazy girl. You know what I mean? Like I was lashing out on people. I would drink and lash out. And it's just so crazy to me because, you know, this is a long time ago, but it's, I, that person is night and day to who I am. And since, you know, once that relationship was gone, there's never been any type of, of things like that ever again. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing pretty crazy things, you know, in bars and stuff like that and just throwing things or whatever. And it, it's just, you don't know what's going on in somebody's head. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't give you a right at all to ever treat your friends like shit. But I do think that other people, I, I do think, I agree with you. Something was going on with your friend deeper than what you knew. But the fact of the matter is the guilt, the fact that maybe he hasn't tried to reach out and apologize for horrible things he said is, is beyond to me. Yeah. You well, could throw away best friendship. Well, and that's the thing. It was like, you know, it's 12 years of uh, friendship in that case. Right. And him and I, I looked back on our friendship the longer the time I had. And I was like, okay, here's the things he did that really hurt me. And here are the things he said that really hurt him. <laughs> yeah, he, he made up a song about me being a selfish ass, all kinds of stuff, made up a song with our other roommate and sang it in front of me because I was eating a cheeseburger in the backseat of his new car halfway out the window like a dog because I was starving because they forced me to leave the restaurant when everybody was done eating. So, and then they called me selfish when I'm the one that, didn't get to eat. So that happened. And we didn't talk for nine months until I called him and he apologized after I basically had to ask for the apology. Uh And, and somebody said to me, they're like, if someone had done that to me, I would have never talked to him again. Why'd you even give him the shot? And then the things that upset him that I did. Okay. He didn't like when I was late, duly noted. And I totally understood that he didn't like when I 
I remember one time I came to visit the condo I used to live in with them. And when I'm a house guest, you don't, my, my, my thing as a house guest is for you to not even know that I'm there. Like I don't bother anybody. I clean up after I'm going to make your house cleaner than it was when I came in. Now, the thing about him that made no sense to me and the other roommate is that they freaked out about anything that was dirty from other people, but they were both disgusting. Like their stuff was everywhere. They're like the entire floor in the kitchen was sticky. Everything in the kitchen was, if you walked on the floor in the kitchen with new socks, if you walked out of the bedroom to the kitchen floor for, for, and you walked through one time and the kitchen wasn't that big, you walked through one time, your socks were gray to black. That is disgusting. So, and these are the people that freaked out if you like left a cracker somewhere. Right. So, so I come to the house and I walk to the grocery store. I don't ask anybody to take me. I walk to the grocery store and it's down in Florida. It's like 90, whatever degrees outside. I come back with all my groceries. I put my groceries in a part of the refrigerator where nobody's using it. And then I use a cabinet that never gets used that had a bunch of random stuff in it. And I put the stuff in the cabinet. He comes home with his girlfriend and he goes, where's your stuff? I said, it's in the cabinet. He opened the cabinet, shut the cabinet and acted like someone had just murdered his, like, I don't know, his girlfriend that's standing right next to us. And this, this kid turned and looked at me and he goes, I don't know if I should be proud of you or mad at you because I don't know if I like the feng shui of this room. And I don't know if I like stuff in the cabinet or not in the cabinet. So I'm going to sit here for a couple hours and try and figure out how I feel about all this. Oh, and I, I'm convinced I'm convinced you attract crazy people. But the thing is, is in my life, the people that surround me, my inner circle, they are the best of the best people. They're okay. the best of the best people. The Sounds like you've had to weed through a lot to get to I that. have had to weed through a lot. Yeah. And the thing that I don't appreciate, and I'm going to put this out here, is the victim shaming thing. And, and that is when somebody has said to me, like, oh, well, you know, you dated all these women, so it's on you. It's your fault. You brought them into your life. Obviously, you brought them in. You attracted right. them like a magnet. You made it happen. There is no part of me that wanted to go through the level of emotional, physical, mental, spiritual abuse that I had to endure. Uh, physical abuse from some people. And, and for me, my problem is saying goodbye. That's always been my problem is being able to look at a person and say, you know what? You're not healthy. I don't like this. I have to walk away. Now, the friend yeah, I'm I talking about. I can relate to that. I feel like I'm the same way on that. And the friend that I'm talking about victim shamed me in this situation of like when I deleted ex-girlfriend's phone numbers or, you know, uh, people that just weren't healthy when I took them out of my phone. He's like, oh, here's big, here's big block Dan. Here's Dan who's blocking another person who's going to get a race today. Who's getting a race from history. And he would try to make me feel guilty for taking dead ends out of my life. Right. So when I look back in our friendship and I'm like, well, he never apologized for any of the stuff he did at the end and all the other things he said that I didn't even say on the show. He didn't apologize for any of that. But this is also the guy that made up a song about you. Also the guy who judged you as a husband without even knowing who you were right. harbored anger for you for years and, and was going to call you out on, on the man that he thought you weren't, even though he's your best friend. So it's like your best friend's your worst enemy. 
And you couldn't tell this kid anything about his life. You couldn't tell him anything he's done wrong, anything that was hurtful, anything that he needed to change, anything he needed to work on or adjust. But he he could comment on everybody's life. And the sickest part is the person he looked up to was the person that cheated all the time, had married women in his Rolodex, you know, did drugs, got drunk all the time, didn't respect women, swore all the time, said really negative racial stuff. That was his idol. I know somebody like this who's the same way. He's got his idols are like questionable characters to say the least. So he's, you know, according to him, he's like the greatest thing that's ever been on earth. So you have, you have this, you're idolizing immorality at its finest and you're attacking your so-called best friend who has been there for you and dealt with all your BS. But, you know, again, we go back to something we talked about in the last show why do you expect somebody after all these years to call you up and apologize when they didn't care when they were doing the other stuff? But, you know, I look at 12 years of friendship and I'm not going to lie about it. I never lie on the show. It's not who I am. I don't lie in general. And this has been one of the most challenging fights that I've ever had to endure is to let go of a friend that I deeply loved as a brother yeah. after being constantly abused by him, questioned by him, manipulated by him and to have him not apologize for the same things that he told me to never take from somebody else. It's a very confusing fight to have. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been in one situation similar where I just was devastated over the loss of a friendship. Um, because it's something I thought would be my life forever, you know? And I, I do think too, though, it's unfortunate, but I do think that's, you know, one is, and somebody just says to me today, you can't expect everybody to have the same heart as you, Yeah. you know? So that's number one. And number two is someone may mean the world to you and they may like you a whole lot, but like, do you mean the world to them? I don't know. Only they know that, you know? And that's the risk as humans that we take, you know, with opening ourselves up to people and building relationships, friendships, et cetera. Um, I would say that unless somebody's just deeply scarred as a person and they don't see anything wrong with their actions, like there's a good sign that maybe, you know, unfortunately you weren't as important to him as he was to you. Yeah. And, you know, coming to these conclusions is, 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 a lot of things that we talk about when you come to these conclusions of like how people are, or like, you know, the fact that you can't control what other people do, it is hurtful. And I say that a lot is it's hurtful to come to this conclusion or to come to that conclusion. And it is, I mean, you literally have to mourn the loss of a friendship or mourn the loss of somebody you think, you know, or think, you know, think you did know it's, it's just, it's, it's a death. And the crazy, and the crazy thing about, these narcissistic people is that when you come back to them and you reach out to them, they'll talk to you as if nothing happened. And, and the person that he looks up to so much, we had that relationship where the guy would do some really crappy things. I'd stay away from him. I'd try to be his friend, try to patch stuff up. And then he'd do something I'd stay away and then I patch it up. And then he's, and I got to a point where I was like, uh, it's been 10 years of patch. I'm not, I'm not, but if I put, Basically, when you have, okay, you have a blanket and you put patches on the holes of the blanket, this blanket became a blanket of patches. There was no more original part of the blanket anymore. So I well, just threw the, I just threw the blanket out. 
Well, and you also, it's like, you can only, uh, you can only accept people's flaws so many times. It's like one time is a mistake. Two times is, you know, what's that saying? It's like one time's a mistake, I'm, two times a habit, three times is who they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like fool me once. That's my bad. Fool yeah. me twice. Like, or the fool me once that's your bad. Fool me twice. That's my bad for taking you back and listening or whatever. So I think history repeats itself. And I think that Truly, I, I always say this, people tell you exactly who they are. I just think that people have visions of who they want them to be instead. Yeah. You know, and and I, I think, and I think you're, I think you're right. And I think, you know, a lot of like, we have comedy on the show. We talk about a lot of different things. We talk about serious stuff yeah. and it's very real. You know, I yeah. mean, if he was watching the show right now, he'll know it's him. And when people, <laughs> I always say this to people, when somebody, when you don't say names and you just talk about situations and somebody sends you a message and is like, oh my God, thank you for that. It's because they know it was them. Or they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. That's a guilty conscience. Mm-hmm. Because I tell people all the time, I never said it was you. No. And, you know, and I, I think, I think the, you know, I get reflective of myself and I really came to a point where I was, I was really tired of people, I, you know, shaming me. Shame on you for trying to love people. Shame on you for giving people a second chance. Shame on you for, you know, believing that somebody's heart is, as you know, could be as big as yours. Shame on you for trying. My fault has been really the thing that I always say to myself, when something happens to me, this is how I check myself on whether or not I'm being, you know, over the top or it's something I should be upset about. I always say to myself, like an example, you and me, I say, okay, Andrea said something to me. It hurt my feelings. If I said this to her, no, if I said this to her, would this hurt her? Like I always, when I'm trying to check myself, do that. And in the case with him, I'm like, if I did any of the stuff that he did to me, what would he do? I'm like, oh my gosh, he'd go nuts. If I ignored his girlfriend, if I talked about women the way he talked about women, that man would lose his mind. And so, you know, that to me was the check and balance was like, do as I say, not as I do. But I don't know why it is because I've had to say goodbye to a lot of friends. There was something I put up uh, within the past week where it was like, when you seek peace, you realize it comes with a lot of goodbyes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I don't know why it is, but saying goodbye to him is really difficult you know i treated him like like a brother and i confided in him and i stood by him and he doesn't have a family in the traditional sense and i tried to be you know his family and i met him in a crisis that he was going through tried to help him through that and he helped me through other pieces of mine but it's i guess i would caution people that there's some people in your life, it could be romantic, it could be a friend, it could be a teacher, it could be a neighbor, stranger, could be a family member, whatever. But somebody in your life at some point may help you through your problems. And when you confide in them and they see your weaknesses, they will look at where those weaknesses are and they will help you through them. Some of those people have the information of where your weaknesses are. And those people that helped you through it will attack those exact same places down the road. I can't tell you who it's going to be or why it's going to be, but I can promise you that if you look for the signs, there are people that seek to know your weaknesses and will play your best friend, play your boyfriend, play your girlfriend, play your whatever person that loves you to pieces 
but there are people that seek to learn weaknesses so that they can exploit them. It's, it's sicker than someone who just hates you to hate you because it's somebody who pretends to, I told people, I'd rather you hate me to my face than hate me behind my back and love me to my face. Right. And what I've learned in life is some people seek to know where you're vulnerable, not to make you stronger, but to make you stronger for a time until they can take a shot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess I'm a believer that in the good of people, you know, yeah. and for me, I, you know, I always think like, do I really think that they're out to get me or that they did these things on purpose? And I always think no, because I know that when you start hanging out with somebody new or you have an instant click or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, say things go away. Well, there's like a dopamine high that's going on here when you're having this great connection with somebody and you're immediately friends it's like it's like when you look back at college you know especially for a, a girl I feel like in college like there are people I look back on it like I hung out with hot and heavy like me and this one girl we went out together every every night and we were we were like you know always together blah blah, blah. and then all of a sudden we weren't and then I look back on that like now and I'm like huh whatever whatever happened to her you know what I mean and so it's like I think to myself during that time frame that I was with that person, we were so tight. Like they knew probably everything about me during that time frame, right? And then all of a sudden, yeah, you look back and it's like it's, it's as if they just disappeared out of your life. Yeah. It's just so it's like I, I I find that you may connect with a lot of people in your life, but deep true connections are very rare. And I think that sometimes when those bad things happen, it felt like a connection right off the bat because it was fun. It was easy, blah, 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 good conversation. And then all of a sudden it wasn't or something bad happened to fall out. And then you kind of find out what they say. You find out who your friends really are, yeah. you know, in those situations. So I don't think that, I don't think that those friendships were ever real. I just think that they were po like, like performed as real. Not that the person even knew they were doing it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, I was his court jester, right. I, I made him laugh every day. So, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're the entertainment for the hour because yeah. when you look back on conversations and friendships, 99% of the time I called 99% yep. of the time I texted 99% of the time I visited 99% of the time I said, you know, I love you, your family 99% yep. of the time I went out of my way. And can, can we address something here? Cause I have a real, I got a bone to pick with something that people do in today's world. And I know some people do it and they don't even think about it, but I just feel like they're drastically different, even though it's only one word of change. When somebody says, I love you versus love you, because love you, who loves me? God love me? Does God down the street love me? Do you love me? Like when I hear, when I see love you and it's not, I love you, I feel like in my experience of people that say love you versus I love you, those people have never been truly a hundred percent bought in and I, so I associate love you versus I love you in my life with people that are kind of in, kind of not in versus the people that are all in. I say, I love you because it's coming from me. I know some people might say love you and they're like, Dan, it's just how I speak. It's just how it is. And that's all well and good. But my experience of the difference between the two is love you is usually a ticking time bomb. Well, I feel that way about love ya. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So I agree with you. I love you is a lot more personalized and it's a lot more like ownership. I am calling it out that I love you. Right. right. But like in the situation of like my best friend um, and we're 
texting back and forth about something. And then the conversation is ending. Right. And she sends me a love you exclamation point. Da, 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 da. That's different. Like, I feel like she's definitely bought, like she definitely feels that way. She wants me to know that. Yeah. Um, but I've been in situations before too, where you say, I love you. And then somebody says, love you back. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Tell me you love me. I want you. I need yeah. like, I love me already. Love you. Love you. Yeah. Love me. Yeah. You should love me. Um, yeah. but Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, you know, it's funny what you're just saying about the friendship thing, though, because it immediately made me think of this. I have somebody in my life that's very important to me. And every single time we have a catch up chat on the phone or anything like that, I have started to realize, and I got to be careful how I say this. So there's no hints here. This person never once asked me how I'm doing, what's yeah. going on in my life. Like, it's just saying like, what's been up with you? Like, that is not the same thing. I, I feel like I go into a depth for this person of like communicating, um, asking how life is and what's going on. And like, then I ask further questions and cheer them on about their successes and stuff. And this person never calls to check on me just to see like what's going on in my life, asks about my kids, doesn't like my kids on social media posts. I'm like, how could that be? Yeah. Like we're such close friends and like, you know, like that's a thing. Like, and it's so stupid. I know I, I hear it not coming out. So it's so stupid to say stupid. that somebody doesn't like your posts on social media, but like I'm a habitual liker. Like I like <laughs> every single thing my friends do. I cheer on every single thing they do. I'm like outfit. Like, Oh, cute kid. Like, oh, cute quote. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like. I, I can't even get a like from some of my friends. Like what? Well, so, but you said something that I pay attention to because I always say I can get better as a person, right? So where I realized I could get better as 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 a as a boyfriend, as a friend, as a as a as a son, whatever, is that I would get on the phone and I would talk a lot about me. And I want the person on the other end of the phone to help me. So I started back up, Dan. What's going on with you? How are you? And not just that what's going on with you. Okay, back to me. But what's yeah. going on with you? How are you? And all that. Now that I've become cognizant of trying to balance out the conversation, when people don't, if, if I'm on a date and the woman's not asking me about, I'm like, I pay, I pay very close attention with, what did Drake say? No new friends. But like when you're bringing in those new people, as friends, business partner, whatever. If you don't ask me how my, I'll call It's one of the first things I'll say to my mom. My mom goes, how'd the date go? I'm like, ma, you wouldn't believe it. We talked for an hour and a half about her damn job. She didn't ask one thing about me. She didn't ask me how my day was. She didn't ask me about nothing. And I pay so close attention to that, that if you are new, new, if you are new, new in my life, you're like fresh out of the wrapper, new, you go right back in the wrapper. I return you to the dang store. You're back to Target. Because if you don't ask me how my day is, in the initial, because I will, I will ask about your day. I will ask about your kids, your mom, your dad, your family, your friends, Me your deep. Me too. I'm like curious to know about people and their lives. Like I have a genuine curiosity about what, and also why are you the way you are in certain ways? Like I have a genuine curiosity to find out like what makes people tick. But yeah. I, I had this conversation with my best friend one day. I was having a bad day. I was feeling down, whatever. And I am known as this person who's pretty tough and not a very emotional and those types of things in front of my friends. And 
you know, like we talked about the, the, the eating disorder stuff and the body image stuff. Uh, we've mentioned before that I was carjacked. Like I have ways to turn things into a joke, right? That's always been my way to do it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is very few people in my life ever notice when anything might seem down, I'm quiet. I am not the same per like, like very few people pick up on that energy. And it's somewhat a little hurtful sometimes that like nobody ever checks on me. It's like, I spend my whole life checking on other people. I checked, I, I checked in on you yesterday when I felt you different and you, you had, did, but I was, at, I was at karate. <laughs> yeah. I felt something different. I was like, she's not, she's not being herself right now. So where's she at? Must and, I pick those kids up, man. It's chaos over here. But that's the thing is I checked in because that it's, yeah. It's it doesn't take it doesn't take much to care about it. What do what, what do we say in the last show? Pe love is not hard. People are difficult. That's right. That is right. It is not hard to be a friend, to care about people, to do the right thing. Like it's not hard to be that way. But you know, I find that people are this. People are selfish. They're okay. I was that's where I was going with this. And I, again, I got to be careful how much I say here because I don't want this person to know. But the 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 self uh selfish i don't even know what the word i'm looking for here but the way people can think that they're so busy and that they're busier than other people irks the shit out of me everyone has something going on in their lives yeah. you know what i mean and, and if i if i call you and all you tell me about is how busy you are and that's why we haven't connected in all these things you are not the president of the united states you have two seconds in your day to send a text message and say hey thinking about you that's it that's yeah. all. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, if you don't have that much time in your day, then clearly I am not a priority at all in your life. No. And and you just hit on something that I that I just talked about, which is when somebody says, Oh, I didn't see my phone. Oh, God. I didn't like in today's world, y'all are. I mean, there's homeless people got cell phones. Okay. So it's, it's going like on your Watch. Literally, the text message comes on your Apple Watch. You can't say, "Hey, I'm busy. I can't call you back." Right. So I tell people all the time, I'm like, "You have this with you all the time." So when you tell me, "Oh man, I couldn't find any time." Ah, oh, dude, I try to get back to you. Or there's like a girl that your day is like, "Oh, oh, Dan, you know the day was just a stop." And 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 whenever, see, I'm like you. When somebody tells me they're busy, I just laugh. So do because I. if I told you what I did in a day, I don't even know. I told my dad one time the 16 things that I had done within a certain amount of hours. Yeah. And, what, and by the time I got it out of my mouth, I was exhausted. Yeah. I said, well, my God, if I had thought about everything I did today, I would have passed out. But yeah. like you just do it because when you're a go-getter and you want something and you're chasing your dreams and you're passionate about it. Andrea, if I told you everything I did today from now to the time that we're talking, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I don't. But I tell people this all the time. I will never tell you what I do for you, what I do this and the other until somebody says to me, probably twice, if somebody says to me, because the first time, let's, let's consider it a mistake. You were just being stupid in the moment. But when somebody says to me, you don't do anything for me. Oh, you better sit that. You better sit in that chair. You better, right. you better learn about what I did today. But my my thing or the sacrifices that you make. Oh, my dog. That's my dog. No, you're okay. I had somebody say that to me one time. They're like, you have never made a sacrifice in this relationship. And I was like, man, maybe you can think that because I never talk about all the times I've had to say no to people to make sure I had food on the table for us, to make sure I picked you up from work, to make sure I had all this stuff done. I don't like to tell people what I do for them 
But when you say you've done nothing for me, you don't do this for me. I am a busy person. You are a busy person. I'm only yeah. saying this in this moment because of the conversation, because I don't like talking about it because busy people don't have to talk about it. I always find time. And if you ask anybody that truly knows me, that the day I'm not on this earth anymore, whoever is here to get up and say something about me, I want every, this is what I said, I want one of my lasting legacies to be. That everybody in that room says, I don't know how he did it, but he was there for me. Oh, he's there for me. Oh, he's there for me. They yeah. may work 16 hours a day, but whenever I called him, he answered. Well, when I called him, he answered. Well, when I texted him, I want to leave everybody in my life saying, he made me feel like I was the only thing he was doing that day. I was the only thing he was working on that day. The only thing that I that that he was caring about that day. I want all my friends to feel like everybody was on the same level in the same place, got the same love that my business yeah. partners. Yeah. So when you come to me and tell me, and I've said this to my mom a million times that you can't turn around and say, cause, cause my mom will say to me, she goes, why, when somebody doesn't respond to you for a few days, do you just like move on? Like, ah, whatever. Like if that bridge is done, it's done. And she goes, how can you do that? I said, because mom, I know my life and I know what I do. And there is never a time where I can't reach out and say right. like, hey, Andrea, eating dinner with my mom, I'm, I'll catch you in an hour. Two seconds. Took two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we've said it before. People do ultimately what they want to do. Oh, yeah. And if you, if they're not responding back to you or, you know, I, <laughs> people do what they want to do. And if oh, they're yeah. not responding, they don't want to respond. And the thing, and, the, and and you've said it before on the show and other people have said it to me, you're like, Dan, you're a savage. And this is what's considered a savage. I don't deal with dead ends anymore. Right. Because you say to me, well, it looks like you had all these crazy, like you attracted these crazy people. No, I, re, I, I set out, I cast a big net. If I walk into a room of 500 people, I'm, I'm reaching out to all 500 saying, hey, would you like to be friends? And what right. happens when you cast a net like that, knowing that not everybody's going to like you, but you're the person that I am. And so you cast out the net of 500 people and you say, Hey, everybody's welcome to come talk to me, hang out with me. I'll come talk to you. Let's be friends. Let's let's see. I want to know what you're about. Okay. Of that 500 people, a hundred people are too shy. Take them out. There's 400 left of those 400 people. Half of them are genuine. So now there's 200 of those 200 people. Here's some egomaniacs. Take those 75 out. Now there's 125 people. Of those 125 people, some of them are really good liars. Let's say that a third of them are really good liars. Let's say 40, let's say 42 of them are really good liars. Okay. So now I'm down to 83 people, right? And sometimes in life, when you reach out to everybody and try to show everybody love, those 83 people that's going to dwindle down to two people really quick sifting through that 83 and finding out those 81 people that I'm really wasting some time on or that don't care about me the way I care about them. That's where to me, it looks like, Oh, okay. You choose the wrong friends. You choose the wrong girlfriends. You choose the wrong, this, that, whatever. It's me saying to a whole room of people, let's be friends. Mm -hmm. And then finding out that of those 16 people you take out of 500 to really spend some time with and eat some lunch with, some people are good liars and and I am the type of person where once I find out who somebody is through guilt, which people have used on me my entire life since I was a little little kid, seven years old, guilt 
narcissism, manipulation, and jealousy have been ways for people to stay in my life a lot longer than they need to, because I don't well, I have that's everybody. I think everybody has people like that in their life that, you know, have, have tried to, you know, maintain in their life for, for whatever reason, because ultimately they've got major issues of just not wanting to lose people. You know what I mean? And then they prey on people that actually have a good heart and care. Yeah. And I, think they, I think that a lot of friendships are that way. A lot of lost friendships are that way for sure. You're the Guinea pig. Yeah, I can't tell, right. how many, can't tell you how many women. Are, oh, thank God I dated you, Dan. Cause I don't yell at my new boyfriend. I had somebody say that to me and I was like, man, what the, like, why would you ever, even if that was the case, why would you tell me that? Don't like, tell what, me that you're nice. To they me. learn not to yell by, by breaking yep. up. Huh? Yeah. It's like, I screamed in your face and I called you names and, and I realized that while we were dating, you kept telling me to stop and I didn't. And now that I'm dating this new guy, I realize that it's probably not the best thing to do. Well, dating is trial and error. I mean, yeah, but yeah, you should probably know to not scream at people. <laughs> so, right. 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 But I mean, you're, we're not talking about the healthiest of mind candidates here. Love is a battle field and it sucks, but it's also led to some of the greatest comedic moments that I've had in my life. And I don't, I want, I mean, I can truly honestly thank every ex-girlfriend and every dead end I've had in my life because Netflix is going to really like it one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You've got your special ready to go. You just need to pitch it to them and, and send it, send it their way. Oh, there's so many specials, you know, I think, you know, and I am coming up with names of them. Like, let me get a minute, you know, or, or when people do this, this, I can't do this. When, when, when someone, when you're trying to get into, and they're like, they just give you the, give me a minute when they get, I want to break that finger off when I see it. That's right, the whole, like, right. I'm too busy. Give me a minute. Yeah. I'm not the guy that would work in an office building where the boss is on the 28th floor. And I go all the way up to the 28th floor and he's doing nothing in his office, but watching YouTube and he, and I can't come into his office because I'm that lowly guy that's on level three. And I can't come up there and talk to him while he flirts with his secretary, even though he's got a wife and kids and he won't give me five minutes to walk through that door. I'm the this type of, very, this is very judgy. Uh, I'm telling you, you right now. How do you know that he's no, this, doing all those things? No, this isn't, this isn't judgy because some people like, some people are like that on the second floor. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is there are people in, all I'm saying is when I say the building 28th floor, there are people in life that think they're above people. They're sure. above, they're above sin. They're above, um, they're above consequences. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying in this analogy. So I go up to that floor. I knock on that door. If you don't let me in, I'm going to let myself in. And I'm going to say my piece respectfully because I'm a respectful person, but I am the last person in the world to tell me, oh, Daniel, I'm 25 floors above you. I don't have time for this. I am not right. the guy to give this to. I am not the right. guy. So one minute and one minute I'll get to you. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff annoys me too. Like at work when I send an email and I need some feedback on something and, you know, I, I kind of need a quick response and I get the uh, no response for a while. Like, oh, I've just been so busy. I'm like, we're all busy. We're all busy. <laughs> we're all, yeah, we're all busy. I can check off a box if you just respond. <laughs> See, the thing about that's AOL Instant Messenger back in the day and AOL in general, when somebody would tell you like, oh, they're busy or they can't do it because they got plans. And then you'd see them log on and you're like, oh, that jerk. And you'd like log it. You'd be like, they were on, they were online for 47 minutes. Couldn't send me a text message. So, <laughs> you, know. you know, I still have an AOL email address. 
I probably do too. I do. And I use it. I saw the one I use. I remember what mine was because mine included in it the name of my my singing group that I started when I was a kid. You know what's funny about that? You say that. I had a singing group too. Like I thought I was going to be in a band and I used to write songs. But like the dip the probably the difference here is that I really couldn't sing. But it's like the going joke with like my husband and my best friend. Like we walk around and sing these songs <laughs> that my seven-year-old self wrote. And we just love them. To be honest with you, we just love them. It's like the, it makes us laugh every single time. I sang some lyrics back in the day where I was like, I had some Luther Vandross kind of, kind of dirty, you know, like I was just like seven or eight years old. What was I writing about? I mean, what the hell? I'm 12 years old asking, talking about dating people like what you know i mean, I go back and i look at these lyrics and i was like daniel you were a freak at 13 years old <laughs> one, of, one of my one of my songs was called dream boy and it was a faster song <laughs> and i and we to this day we walk around and we sing it all the time it's so funny oh yeah i read my mom found like an old song book of mine where i used to write songs yeah. and like she brought it over and it was the highlight of probably a long time reading through it i can say <laughs> i've written over 40 songs oh wow I have a, I have a, I have a solid three and they're very good. They're, they're, they're billboard hits for sure. Well, I can tell you that <laughs> my buddy, <laughs> he, our lyrics, I would like look at my stuff and I'm like, oh damn. And I mean, cause we had like really heartfelt ones, but then we had like the speed it up kind of like, you know, yeah. mixed in between. Well, five, and yeah. yeah. And I'm re- I'm looking at this stuff and I'm going like, dang, James, you nasty. And then like, I'm looking at mine and I'm going, damn. I'm nasty, you know, and like, and we, but it was always like heartfelt and good, but we, we sang about lovemaking. <laughs> we were like, yeah, like 12 years, 12 old. years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you probably don't even know what you're singing about, no. but like you're taking your cues from the other groups that are big around that time, like boys to men and things like that. Do you realize that you, we, we didn't realize it now, but if you go back to our childhood, there was sex in like, all of these songs and so it was like subtle not subtle there's that one song too close oh my god yes you know you're dancing yes. real close you can feel no. you know it's so funny it's so funny when you think about some of these lyrics now as an adult you're like there's so many memes about this i find on instagram they're like whoa meet my 12 year old self singing this song and then my 38 year old self singing this song and like whoa 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 I was singing more money, more problems. And I said, triple beam, lyrical dream. I'd be that. And my dad goes, you know what a triple beam is? It's how they measure drugs, Daniel. And I was like, what? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's, a, that's, that's a great song. Measure, you know, and the, like uh, the DOA, you know, and all that stuff and or, or DEA and all that stuff. So, but I remember what was the song? Oh, so my mom bought me the cassette tape. LL Cool J, Mr. Smith. And it's got okay. LL in black and white. And he's like this. He's got like a visor on and the song on that tape was doing it. And for whatever reason, oh, yeah. that was my favorite song. And I still remember like you turn on right now, start spitting out these L O cool J yeah. nasty lyrics. And I remember I was 10 years old. I was at my grandma's house, my G mama, my mom's mom. And I'm watching the L O cool J video. I'm watching the video and my mom came home. I think she came home from work or something. And I went, Ma, and she goes, yeah, I go, I go, why is LL Cool J doing this in my favorite song? She goes, what, honey? I go, why is he eating an apple looking at a woman through a, through a box? He's like looking at this woman through a window. 
because he was looking at this stripper eating an apple and I'm rapping all these lyrics. My mom yeah. had no idea what was on there. And I remember asking her to this day, why, why is LL eating an apple while he's watching a woman dance? It doesn't make any sense to me. And now I go back and I listen to those lyrics in my car and rap the same lyrics, like you said. And I'm just like, this is some vile stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember um, Entertainment Tonight used to play a music video at the end of the show, or like a new song that came out sometimes. And I remember the song Rump Shaker was like they've launched the video on Entertainment Tonight. And like that is like one of the first like rap song videos I remember seeing. But you know, I told you about my salt and pepper obsession. And I would sing when I was 12 years old, uh, the 1990, uh, their 1993 album with, with Shoop and all that. I would sing None of Your Business. Like literally it was somebody's job. Yeah. I mean, I remember. So Sir Mix-a-Lot's Big Butts. Yeah. 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 I would sing that. I'll make love to you. You go back and listen to oh yeah the boys to men stuff, and then the first song that O Town that was based in Orlando, oh, yeah. for Orlando, their <laughs> first song was Liquid Dreams. Yes, about having a yes. liquid dream, people. Yes, which is when you have a dream and things happen to you physically that you're not completely in control of, and then you wake up in the morning like what just happened in the bed, and so. And the whole song is dedicated to them saying that they're having a, a, a they're having a sexual experiential moment while they're sleeping about all these women. The band, by the way, did you watch that? Making the band? I, I wanted to be in O-Town. I still do. Oh, yeah. I think well, they need another singer. They do. Are, are they still all alive? I wonder. Are they alive? Yeah, there's four of them. But they're not in the band anymore, obviously. Yeah, they are. No, I'm going to have to Google it. They're in the band. Bunch I watched all those making the band shows. Yeah, making the band. Yeah, because I thought Ikaika was a joke. I was like, O-Town yeah. Band. O-Town Band. Yeah, they're still there. But all their pictures are not uh, current. There's five of them. There's only four in the picture now. So that means something happened to one of them. Yeah, one of them left. Ashley Parker. That's right. Ashley Parker Angel. That is correct. So Jacob. Let me see if I can remember these. People are going to dog me for this. Jacob. Dan, Eric, and oh man, the other one starts with a T. It's uh Trevor. You, no, Trevor. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just, I just want to look this up and see if they're still touring. That's all. I just want. They were touring as of last year. O Town tour dates 2023. Look at O Town is currently touring across one country and has upcoming concerts. Andrea, can I can't you imagine those being big sellouts. Can you lean into your microphone and say Dan was right? Because I just want to hear it. Dan was right. Um, I have to say though that I can't imagine that these would be big sellers I genuinely want a shot to be their lead singer because they don't have a lead well y'all are about the same age why not actually they're probably older than you let me do it I would do it and by the way Take Me Under by Jacob the song that he wrote which was originally called Bring Me Under Okay. It's a really good song. Okay. Well, I I don't know that I know them all, but I'm happy you do. I'm going to educate you on some of that. Yeah, I I knew the one song. To all the guys that are my age, like anybody in their 30s, 
Anybody between 30 and 40 right now watching and listening to the show, I'm going to tell you something real that you're going to have to take home and deal with. Y'all like boy bands at some point in your life, the majority of you, and you had a CD in your car. So stop playing like in high school. Oh, man, that stuff's so ridiculous. No, it's not. Because the people that made fun of all those bands, I knew they had NSYNC in their car probably that day. I had a boyfriend in high school. This is funny. I had a boyfriend in high school that I guess like I wasn't very nice to him or something like that. And I remember one time he had this old beat up car and he came to pick me up from my house and uh, bye, bye, bye was on when I got in the car. And it was like, he was like, bye, bye, like doing the dance with it. And I'm like, okay, he's trying to play give me a message that he's ready to let me go or something like that. You know what I mean? But I just remember being like, oh God. Why would he even let you in the car then? There was, you know what? I was down in Florida. I guess, you know how, you know how, like, remember when MySpace came out, people would change their song on MySpace? Yeah, and you would check it every day to try and get the message. Yeah, right. But, like, I think that he was trying to play a message. He was giving me a message. Okay, so I did that with one girl one time. She was really rude. on our, We came down to Disney, and she slept on the other side of the bed. Like, the king-size bed, she on the other side of the bed. And I said, what are you sleeping all the way over there for? She goes, I don't want to give you any false sense that you were going to get any. I was like, well, if you're going to sleep that far away, why don't you sleep in the room next door? And she was like, so we did not have fun. And she said to me, she's like, I was like, I couldn't even be myself on that trip. And she was like, what do you mean? You were out there. She goes, you were singing every morning when we were getting ready for Disney. I said, did you hear the lyrics I was saying? <laughs> I was, oh, you were hoping that she heard you. Yeah. I had, I had little, snapped out. Yeah. I had Lil Wayne brand new playing. And I was literally tying my shoes saying, F you, be a Mac to brand new. You know what I'm saying? He's like, my shoe's brand new. I was, li I literally put my shoe up next to her when I was doing that lyric, but oh she didn't. She oh didn't. I do like it when people listen to lyrics. So my husband's like that. Like he's, he, you know, he uh, listens to like lyrics and stuff and he'll send me something here and there. Or like, he'll joke with me about like things I post. And he's like, oh, listen to those lyrics. I'm like, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Sometimes it's just a vibe. See, but some people, though, they say, and people are full of it when they say, like, they never put any lyrics up there to send a message. I've had people check my Instagram stories going, like, what was that about? <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, though, it's sometimes, like, for me, sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, I just found this new song, and I'm going to play it in my spin class type of thing. Like, it's, it's a preview. So, yes, I agree with you, though. Yeah, I put I put a Chris Brown one up yesterday. Deuces? No, I did not put deuces up. That would, uh, yeah, I, I know that one. But no, I put up, God, I can't even remember the name of the song, but I put up this song and it's like a slow song and it's like an intimate song and this and that. And if somebody listened to it, they'd be like, oh, who's, what girl is he sending that to? Yeah. I'm not dating anybody. I'm single. I just like the vibe of the song. Right. Right. So, no, but it's true though. People do think that. Yeah. It, sometimes it means absolutely nothing. I'll catch people like three weeks later. Like, hey, Dan, uh, saw your Instagram post three weeks ago. Are you okay? And I'm like, what oh are you talking God. about? I get that sometimes too. Like I'll get a random like, hey, just checking out on you. Are you everything okay? And you know what's funny about this? By the way, just, and we got to wrap it up, but I, what's really funny about this is that it's always like a random person that's nice to you on social media and not one of your real friends. Yeah. Again, that's the power of social media though. Connecting people that actually genuinely care about other people. Yeah, no, and yeah, you have people that check up on you and see how you're doing, and there's other people that stalk your page, and it makes no sense, and I will never understand it, and uh, we call those fans, I guess. I don't even know what to call Fans, whatever. 
So with that being said, we appreciate all of you haters and fans that go and check out the Instagram story. Two Mike's No Filter, Andrea and myself, DT, a.k.a. Dan Tortora, Andrea Smith. We appreciate you watching and listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Andrea, as always, thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.